Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. For several years, the waste incinerator Stericycle has been in the crosshairs, and in recent months, criticism has reached a fever pitch. Their neighbors want the business out of the neighborhood. Air quality advocates want to shut down the facility altogether, and state regulators say their emissions exceed standards. Stericycle is fighting those claims and is working to relocate. So today on Trip Talk, we're talking about Stericycle with Stericycle, about the controversy swirling around them, as well as what they do and where they do it. Joining me on the Google Hangout today is Celine Hoboy. She is Vice President of Legislative and Regulatory Affairs at Stericycle, and she's here in the newsroom. Celine, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm uh, happy to join you and hopefully be able to answer some questions. Also with us, Salt Lake Tribune environmental reporter Brian Maffley. Brian, welcome back. Hi, it's always good to be here. And you can join our conversation today as well. What do you think about moving Stericycle to Tooele County? Should the company be allowed to operate in Utah at all? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com, or you can text us. Here's the number, 801-609-8059. That's 801-609-8059. Um, I, I want to get to the location issue um, in just a moment, but first, Celine Hoboy, uh, briefly explain just a bit about the business. You burn waste. What kind of waste are we talking about? Predominantly, the waste that we get is from healthcare facilities. Um, we pick up uh, from doctor's offices, dentists, hospitals, and the like. And most of the waste that we process at our facilities are things like bloody gauze pads, bandages, uh, needles, things you might get when you get a flu shot, uh, as well as surgical materials, so things that are coming out of somebody getting an uh, epidectomy or a gallbladder removed or what have you, as well as chemotherapy um, remains from administering chemotherapy drugs. Um, so those are primarily the most of what we receive at our facility. Hmm. And where does the waste that you burn come from? How much of it is generated here in Utah? How much comes from out of state? Well, overall, the healthcare waste that comes from hospitals and healthcare facilities, there's about 10 to 15 percent of that waste stream that actually needs to be burned. So I talked about the gallbladder or the appendix uh, or chemotherapy agents or pharmaceuticals. Those are the types of materials that come out of healthcare that the best management practice for those and in some states the laws are that we need to incinerate those materials. The remainder of the materials actually go for alternative technologies outside of the state. So about 75 to 85 percent of the waste stream that's generated in the state of Utah goes to other states for being processed at say an autoclave or what's called a uh, an autoclave, a pressure cooker alternative technology, and about 15 to 25 percent of the waste stream stays here in state to the incinerator. Hmm. Brian, you recently did a story about um, not just medical waste, but there are a lot of other facilities that send their waste to to uh, Stericycle. Can you expand on that? You know, even some stuff like you know beverage sure. containers from uh, out of the country. Yeah. Um, that got started when I heard that police officers were taking delivering material to Stericycle for processing. So I started looking into what agencies might be um, doing business with Stericycle, and I was really surprised to find that the airport, uh, Salt Lake City International Airport, was uh, a, a leading. Whoops, 
I lost my uh, earplug, was a leading uh, public agency doing business with Stericycle. And um, they were, we got the billings, and it turned out they were sending oh, several thousand pounds of uh, waste a, a month to Stericycle. And it turned out by, by contract and by federal law, this material had to be incinerated. It turned out to be um, just regular airline trash off of international flights. Hmm. Um, now, yeah. now, as uh, Stericycle's not the only incinerator around, put the, put this business in in the the larger context here in Utah. Yeah, well, I've always felt that the Stericycle situation, as they call it, they refer to it in the legislature now. Um, it's kind of hijacked the air quality debate in our state. Stericycle is one of just uh, many, many industrial emission sources of uh, pollutants. And it's not even that big. Uh, and yet, it's kind of dominated uh, the headlines. Um, of course, there's an, a much bigger incinerator already in Tooele County, um, operated by Clean Harbors. And then there's a, another, a waste incinerator in Davis or Weber County. Um, Actually, I'm it's not sure Davis which. Counter. It's in, in Davis, Davis County. County. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, called uh, Wasatch Integrated Waste Management. Um, in the context of all this other incineration going going on, Stericycle is a small player, and yet they're uh, they're the ones everyone knows about. And it's it's because there's a, a subdivision that grew up around it. Celine Hoboy, what do you make of the controversy, and how has it affected your business? Well, I, I wanted to also address the, the waste um, question that you had about the uh, other kinds of waste that we do accept. And that is true that it is a, there are other types of waste streams that we do accept at the facility. Um, airline waste, for example, we on average every month take about 5,000 to 5,600 pounds of waste from that facility, um, which equates to about less than half of a percent of our total volume. So it's still a pretty small percentage. And, and Brian, you said it correctly. This material needs to be treated. Um, and it can be treated at an incinerator or an autoclave. But the key for the regulations that you were mentioning is that it needs to go to the shortest point of distance from the from that generator like the airport to the facility that it's going to be treated at because there's things that are in there that we're concerned about getting out into our water supply or our agriculture which is why international garbage needs to be treated before it's taken to landfill mm. so I just wanted to mention that um, as far as the controversy I, I, I can appreciate that um, folks that live near us um, have really had to deal with the controversy as much as we have had to deal with the controversy. We've lived next door to folks for the last 10 years fairly well and uh, we contribute to the community and so um, I think that looking into the future um, it is a, a, a difficult land use issue and so we think that there's um, a better option for us if we were able to go out to Tooele County. Speaking with Stericycle Executive Celine Hoboy, also with us Brian Maffley of the Salt Lake Tribune, and we're talking about exactly what Stericycle does and where it should be allowed to do it. And you can join our conversation. You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in our comment section at sltrib.com, or you can text us 801-609-8059. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the location. Um, Stericycle is on this five-acre site in North Salt Lake, been there for a decade. Um, it's very close to homes. And, and Brian, I guess when the facility was built, that was not the case. 
Yeah, that's true. It's actually built in the late 80s um, by a company called BFI, which Stericycle acquired some of their assets. Um, I think in the late 90s, maybe Celine could correct me if I'm wrong. And the um, neighborhood at the time was was uh, zoned industrial. Um, a few years later, uh, maybe in the early 2000s, a uh, a rezone took uh, took effect. It was um, uh, residential uses were permitted, and subsequently, the neighborhood we now know as Foxborough was developed um, very close, uh, immediately to the west, the east and north of the the facility. Um, so, yeah, at the time uh, that plant went in, the nearest homes were probably a couple miles away. Hmm. Uh, Celine, you're sort of eyeballing this site in Tooele County that's further removed. What's to prevent uh, a similar situation happening 20 years down the road as, as growth continues in uh, Tooele County? What's, what's to prevent... A, a, a North Salt Lake Foxborough kind of situation <clears throat> happening in the future? Well, I think that one of the things that uh, attracted us to Tooele County was their appropriate zoning and land uses that they really looked at when they were starting to look at uh, zoning for industrial use out in the um, I-80 corridor, I think they call it. and. That area is, is really not an area where we're looking to build um, that, that it would be conducive to housing uh, from a land perspective. And so I think they were smart in identifying those as being heavy industrial areas. And we would hope that they would continue to do that. However, I think we've learned a lot from this whole process. And I think we're going to watch more closely, no matter where we live, to zoning as it changes around us. Um, I Brian, there is a group um, in Tooele County, I understand, that is not really thrilled with having Stericycle move oh, yeah. into the neighborhood. Yeah, they just are getting organized. Um, I think they're, they're calling themselves Tooele County Citizens for Clean Air. Um, they are um, organizing now, engaging with the county commissioners in that state, or I'm sorry, that county, to um, talk about their concerns uh, about bringing another... Uh, uh, waste management industry into their county. Um, of course, Tooele County already <clears throat> is home to Clean Harbors, uh, the hazardous waste incinerator, um, Energy Solutions uh, disposal site, um, uh, major landfill, and U.S. Magnesiums just up the road from the just north of where Stericycle intends to move to. So their feeling is, don't we have a, uh, enough? Um, you know, high pollution industries as it is. That's their concern. Uh, Celine, how would you respond to, to those concerns? Well, I, I think that the Tooele um, County Citizens for Clean Air just recently changed their name and, and they're looking at more broad issues uh, based on what I saw on their websites recently. We met with the community last Saturday. Uh, they were holding a town hall. They uh, asked for the representative Sakers and Nelson to be there and we were there as well to try to answer questions and explain that our process will be much further from homes than where we are today and that we also explained that a new technologies uh, for air pollution control systems would be 
employed at this new facility, um, which would also further reduce, as Brian mentioned, we're a pretty small emitter already, it would further reduce our emissions. And I think the key here will be to continue to communicate with the community, to continue community outreach, and I think there's going to be ample opportunity to do that as we go through the various permitting process of zoning, uh, sorry, zoning uh, is already there, but the um, conditional use permit, the permitting for air, solid waste, and water. So we look forward to that engagement. Yeah. Speaking again with Celine Hoboy of Stericycle and Salt Lake Tribune environmental reporter Brian Maffley. Again, join us with your comments and questions to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google Plus or text us 801-609-8059. I want to get to a few comments that are coming in. This is uh, Elizabeth Luntz on Facebook. Uh, moving Stericycle is like designating a no pee zone in a public pool. Uh, Roger Stewart writes on email, uh, it makes no sense to move a significant polluter from one section of our polluted valley to another spot. It will still be a problem and continue to add to the unhealthy toxic particulate air that we breathe. Uh, Celine, I mean, that is a concern that a lot of people have. It doesn't really matter where it's located. It's still in pretty close proximity to this airshed that is um, plagued with seasonal inversions. Uh, how do you respond to those, uh, those concerns? I want to again stress the fact that we are, um, we appreciate the concerns. We appreciate that there's a very unique um, geography here that creates some of those issues. Um, and when we looked at the total amount of our contribution within, within the industry um, contribution to the airshed issues, which based on reporting that we've seen is around 11% of the total uh, issues, the greatest problem being from vehicles and trucks and so forth. Um, we're only two one-hundredths of a percent of the added uh, value of the particulate matter in the airshed here. So I think if you took Stericycle out of the airshed in the Wasatch Front, moved it to Willa, or moved it out of state, we're not going to have a significant impact on the environment here. Um, here's a text coming in, um, and I apologize, I'm not sure who it's from, uh, uh, referring to your operations on the Gila River Reservation south of Phoenix, uh, says that uh, you started using the much safer autoclave technique. Um, my question is, why is that not an option for the North Salt Lake plant? Uh, can you talk about the, the, the range of options? You said some of this material must be burned. Um, but um, is there is there some advantage to, to looking at new technologies on how to dispose of this waste, the autoclave? Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Sure. About 80% of uh, our facilities that we operate across the country are already alternative technologies, primarily being autoclaves. Again, these are regional facilities. We provide services to uh, our healthcare companies and other types of industries to destroy this type of waste stream and so that we might have an incinerator and as the amount of incinerators have been reduced across the country due to the more stringent pollution control regulations um, we have again minimized as much as possible the amount of waste that has to go to those locations so uh, we have autoclaving in Arizona in Colorado California and Washington we had strategically left our Utah facility here as it had some newer technology 
for its time and, um, and believe that this was a good strategic location to have our facility. So it's, it's their regional operations and so we believe that we have good autoclave coverage for the types of waste. Again, 85 to 75 percent of the waste coming out of Utah go to those types of facilities today. But do you foresee a time when incineration is going to become obsolete, that newer technologies, cleaner technologies are going to take over? We hope so. We are always looking at technologies. Obviously, we're a leader in this space, and so we're always evaluating. There's new emerging options for pyrolysis and gasification, which is a slightly different type of incineration. And so, of course, if those things uh, become commercially viable and available to us and are reliable and cost-effective for our customers, then it's something that we will look to. Hmm. Um, here's a, a text question. Uh, again, these don't have names, so I'm sorry. I'm concerned about the high levels of dioxin in my daughter's Foxborough neighborhood. Um, this is a comment from Sarah. What's your reaction to recent test results released by the Aaron Brockovich group showing dioxins at levels 70 times higher than average in the homes closest to Stericycle? Uh, uh, can you shed some light on, on, on that data? I, I, I'm not familiar with it. Brian, perhaps you are. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Um, that group um, took dust samples from four homes uh, near the plant, um, and the one closest uh, to the to cycle, about 400 feet away, um, the dust samples indicated uh, levels of dioxin. I think it was 15 times what uh, what the EPA would expect in a home like that. That you know, in an industrial area like that. Um, I don't know what to make of those those findings yet, so I haven't really made a big deal out of them. Um, Salim, I have more to say about them. Mm -hmm. Well, Jennifer, and I don't want to claim to be a dioxins expert because I am not, so I am learning much like Brian um, from the aspect of um, how this impacts the environment. Uh, we don't know what the study said. I have not seen a copy of the study, so I don't want to speak to the study itself, um, although four houses is a pretty small number, um, and I don't know whether or not that would be statistically valid. But I will tell you that we did a little bit of homework about dioxins. Um, and I think that the dioxin levels that they're talking about, the 4.6 um, in the soil, the, the levels that the EPA standards were uh, being mentioned, are related to the, the dioxins that would be found in soil that they deem to be safe for the potential of uh, children that might be eating the soil inadvertently and so that has really nothing to do with based on my research anything to do with dioxin levels that could be found in an attic in a home and many homes the average dioxin levels were uh, between a hundred and four hundred in studies that were done by the CDC and the EPA in other parts of the country so I don't I don't know what to make of them. I don't know what these um, results mean because, I've, again, I've not read through that. But based on the data that I've seen so far, it doesn't seem off base considering the industrial area that these houses are in and the close proximity to the highway. Hmm. A couple of questions on your um, uh, your 
method of bypass. Uh, maybe you can explain that, but I'll get to the questions first. B. Forbes says, I want to know if Stericycle has any means for measuring the amount of pollution released during a bypass event and whether these releases have any filters. Alec Wood um, emails us, if the bypass is only for emergencies, why has it been open last night and the night before? Celine, can you explain what this bypass means? Um, what is it? Uh, when is a bypass allowed? How frequently are you doing this? Uh, wh what is a bypass? I think that's a great question. First of all, bypasses um, are in emergency cases. For example, we had six of them last year. Most of them happen because we will lose power to the uh, unit itself. And typically they're very small durations of time. So when you look at our overall total amount, it's less than 1% of our total operating time that if we have an emergency bypass for the whole entire year, it's less than 1% of the time that we operate. So it um, means that the emissions are coming from primarily from one smokestack and then during a bypass it will go through another an emergency an emergency stack correct okay. and um, again these while ca they can't be measured with instruments there are measurements that are calculated by EPA mm -hmm. and those are part of our um, reporting requirements on a semi-annual basis if we've had um, actual bypasses during that time period we tell them how long um, and then we do a calculation to identify uh, what those emissions and what those pollutants might have been during that time hmm. okay so that's all available publicly on the DAQ website okay um, uh, some questions about investigation I, yes please oh, Go if soon. I could answer um, the second part of that question which is we see the bypass stack open all the time um, you're correct you probably see it open approximately once a week for anywhere between 8 to 15 hours and this is because we have to take the equipment down for maintenance and during that time period there's a cooling um, when that bypass is open for our maintenance we are not burning any waste. The entire chamber has been cleaned out of any waste and we are in a process to cool down the equipment so that our employees can safely enter the equipment and properly maintain it. So I understand the concerns in the community. In fact, in order to alleviate some of these concerns, we have been emailing North Salt Lake, uh, Senator Weiler, Representative Becky Edwards, um, the Air Department, and just letting them know, hey, tomorrow we're going to have a maintenance event, and so you're going to see the stack open at this time for you know a period of time. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and Brian, um, you might know this as well, but I think that North Salt Lake actually posts that information on their website so that citizens will be alerted if if they have a question. That's that's. That's true. To I'm not sure uh, how proactive they are in putting that information out, but that is true. They they are making an effort to uh, convey that information to the public. Uh, speaking of uh, regulation, and our, our time is running short, so I want to get to these these questions about investigations. And I know that uh, Stericycle has been the subject of uh, investigations by the health department. Uh, the state has cited your facility, saying that you're emitting um, larger amounts of some substances that is allowed. That's a current ongoing investigation. Um, uh, uh, 
tell us what you um, what you can about these open investigations. Are you opening the books for everyone to see? Well, the books are already open. Um, everything that we've submitted to the state is uh, already uh, available for the public to see, as well as our responses to the notice of violation. Um, I can't really comment too far into that because it is an ongoing investigation. Um, the governor's office actually went to the health department and asked them to do some studies. So there's been uh, two studies already that have been released. One is about the um, cancer risk in South Davis County. I think, Brian, you might have reported on that. And then on February 20th, they also um, sub uh, released a second study, which is about the modeled air exposures from stericycle medical waste incinerator emissions. And they literally did modeling of uh, the emissions in the area. And I think the good news is, and I think this is good news for the neighborhood, is that based on the air dispersion modeling analysis, exposure via inhalation to emissions from stericycle medical waste incinerator is not expected to harm people's health. I mean, that's coming from the health department and I'm happy to uh, provide this to you, Jennifer, so you guys can have a link to the health department data uh, for, for your viewers as well. And yet there's still some, some criticism of the way that this study was conducted. Am I right, Brian? Of course, yeah. Oh, uh, of the, I don't know about the uh, air mo modeling one. For the cancer study, there was a lot of concerns from both sides on... on uh, it was thought that you know cancer is a disease with a long latency period, and the data that the state was working with did not account for people moving in and moving out of out of the neighborhood. So it was felt that um, that study didn't really shed much light on anything. Um, the, the governor's office has, or the health department rather, ha has another investigation which may may be more I don't know illuminative. But this one's looking at birth outcomes, and of course, um, you know, pregnancy has all a nine-month latency period, so to speak. And we can maybe come up with uh, more reliable findings in the cancer study. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think many pe people people put much stock in the cancer study. And uh, then there'll also be a, a soil study too that'll be released later. We don't know the results of that yet. So, but yeah. it's all going to be on the health department website. Uh, just a couple quick texts. Um, one says, if the state closed Stericycle, who would process the materials it is now handling? Um, I guess there are other incinerator facilities around, so it would yeah. shift to another company. Um, th this text, um, after you move to Tooele, what precautions will you take to guarantee that the North Salt Lake incinerator will be dismantled and disposed of safely? Uh, can you describe what you would like to see um, a timeline wise of moving the facility out of North Salt Lake into Tooele and sort of um, dismantling the, the existing facility? Celine Hoboy? Well, we, uh, as I mentioned early on in the conversation, it's going to be a, a pretty significant process and a public process. Um, so I, I don't know that I can give you a definitive timeline, but we're going to work as hard as we can to. Uh, expedite our portions of the process as we can. And 
when we do get that facility up and running, we will safely dismantle the facility uh, as far as you know taking out the equipment uh, of the incinerator at our current location. Uh, there may be some portions that we will reuse because we are installing new equipment to come into compliance with the regulations uh, in October and we'll even have lower emissions and some of that equipment we may be able to utilize at the new facility but for the most part um, the new facility will be brand new and state-of-the-art. Okay. Brian, uh, yeah. just quickly give us a Capitol Hill wrap-up. There have been a couple of bills oh, yeah. to to uh, so-called avoid the stereocycle situation. What what's happened? Yeah. What's the latest? Well, uh, the legislature is about to sign off on siting a new uh, waste facility in Tooele County, which is required by law. That's going to happen. Um, and then there's um, uh, there were two bills, competing bills to. Um, regulate or restrict the incineration of medical waste. One was within five miles um, of uh, homes and schools. That bill did not get very far. The other bill, which seems to be um, <clears throat> winding its way through the legislature and likely will pass, it uh, imposes a two-mile rule. Um, I'm really curious to get Celine's take on that on that bill. Did you support or oppo uh, oppose that one? I, first of all, I really appreciate your um, vote of confidence that we're going to get our bill passed. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's true. Uh, we'll yeah. be hearing. We'll be going to the hearing this afternoon. Yeah. Um, as far as the other bills, you know. To be honest with you, we're very focused on our bill, number one. Number two, we believe that those are zoning issues. Those are land use rights issues that are really left up to the regulators and to the. Yeah. Um, elected officials it's really not our place I feel that we should be making comment about you know okay. how things are zoned yeah uh, but but I mean there is at least based on the the sample size that we have here there's a lot of people concerned about how you're going to make sure that a North Salt Lake situation does not happen again I mean do you think that uh, you can leave it up to the local officials or are there things the stereocycle can do proactively to make sure that um, there's a buffer zone. Again, I think if you were to go and look at the facility that, or the property of the facility that we're um, hoping to be able to move to, um, I don't believe that there's going to be anybody wanting to move out there anytime soon. Um, there's just some of those types of lands that are not really uh, well suited for. Um, land use for residential and commercial uses. This is what the decision has been for the development for Tooele County. That was something that, that they put in place. And like I said earlier, we're going to closely watch to make sure that, that um, if it does start happening as far as development out there, we're going to make sure our voice is heard very early on. Obviously, lots more to talk about. I hope we can have you on again. Celine Hoboy, as well as Brian Mathley, thanks very much for the time today. All right, thanks, Thank you. Jennifer. Thanks for your questions. And again, you can find full coverage of air quality issues here on sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce. Thanks for tuning in to Trip Talk today. We'll see you next time.